Hola y bienvenidos a la Deuces Wild Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Byronis y no abate por No Filter Network. Will the Thrill y Miguelito San Dieguito. But, dead or alive, job or no job, here or not here, you guys know we properly salute our boys. Yes, 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 yes. Woo. Remember this, folks, when we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. It's as simple as that. Today is November the 15th, 2023. And, of course, we are brought to you by Bet Online. It is your top spot for all of your NBA, NFL, college football, and NHL action. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile, mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on all the action. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV. Capital B L E A. V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Also, don't forget about our partners at KT Tape. That's right. Click the promo code right there and get yourself some of the pro oxygen tape. If you want to hold on a second, here's some tape right here. If you want to go for the blister prevention, we got that. Chafe safe. Keep that package nice and neat. And don't forget the skin prep wipes. So, yes, on KT tape, the science on this is pretty simple. It lifts the skin up. It promotes blood flow to a certain area wherever you put that tape. Look. I'm not going to pimp a product I don't use. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say, hey, check this out. But I, when we're all struggling typically with a little something here, a little something there, this is a very easy solution without having to get yourself all jacked up on pain pills and shit. So uh, no need to overload or an overdose on the Advil and Tylenol. I don't know, Quaaludes or Vicodin or whatever else is your... A drug of choice. Try KT Tape first and foremost. Hit that promo code and they will take care of you. Uh, as will Jory over at Verge. Hold tight because here it is. Verge. This is a cannabis-based product. Not exactly sure what's in it, but who gives a shit? It's got lemon. It's got honey. It's got all kinds of goodness. And once again, I just shook it up. A little and I'm going to mm. it really is good shot of life so go to tryverge.com and reach out to our boy Jory he will get you dialed in with a special starter package whatever you need all right today's daily hustle is a good one a little more recapping about the weekend and then we will get into the draymond green situation 
I got Henry Markin coming on, our NBA expert here at No Filter Network at uh, probably about 10 o'clock. And we'll have him break down exactly what he saw. He's the most diehard. What makes him an expert? Fucking nothing, really. Uh, other than the fact that he loves the NBA, he loves the Warriors. I'm sure he would have. he's going to have a severely one-sided perspective on uh, this thing. So we'll see what happens. All right. The Daily Hustle quote of the day. May I? Yes, 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 yes. That's it. Four yeses. And that is the title of today's Daily Hustle email. Daily Hustle translation. There are yes people and no people and yes teams and no teams in this world. Ultimately, what we are capable of achieving in sports and life. Hold on a second. Ultimately, it's an attitude we choose that determines what we are capable of achieving in sports and life. When the deck is stacked against us, do we believe something is still possible or are we going to pack up our shit and go home on Sunday at 8 a.m.? We knew it was going to be a difficult challenge and a long ass day. If our LTP squad wanted to take home the PG California state championship, we were going to have to win four games and face some really good teams along the way. That said, the depth of our team is built for challenges like this. And although it starts with getting the first one, there was no question in my mind that so long as we played our game, we were going to take down all four. Yet, we needed to make sure the boys believed. Right before the 8 a.m. game, I asked them if we were going to win the first one. They responded, yes. I then asked them if we were going to win the second one. They said, yes. I then asked them if we were going to win the third one. They said, yes. I then asked them if we were going to win the fourth game. One more time, they emphatically said, yes. At this point, I reminded them that we are a yes team. And so long as we play our game, fight for inches, focus on the details, and continue to believe in one another, it is on. 12 hours and four wins later, the LTP boys went home, California state champs. Yes, 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 yes. Woo. Four of them. That was it. That's all we needed. So I know it's stupid. And it, well, stupid in a fun way, because it's not stupid. It's actually really invigorating. But we went over this last week with Hunter Pence. And this is a mentality that propelled the San Francisco Giants to multiple World Series. Is being a yes person making us naive to the outside world? To answer that question, I would say fuck no. And the reason being is that we all know what's there. We get it. We very easily could have lost the first game we played to the 66ers on Sunday. It was a tight one. Then we had this one-run victory 
against the what was it? The combat team. And they're a really good baseball team that we've battled now three different times. If the ball falls in left field, as I mentioned in yesterday's Daily Hustle with our kid Diesel making the play, the game's over. Those things are there. The other side is there where, okay, that's fine. We recognize that it might not work out. But in our minds, so long as we maintain that relentlessly positive mentality, we're going to fucking win this thing. And there's no reason to think that we're not going to do it. It's funny because last year, I felt like we had an underdog team. We were good, really good. We actually, I think in a lot of ways, we're even more polished than the team we have now. Now, this is the group that's now 13U that I coached as 12Us last year. But I don't think, at least at this point of the year, we're as talented. So we have more talent on this year's team. We were probably more polished on last year's team. Remember this. Last year's team won 25 straight during the fall. Not kidding you. Like, it was insane to watch these boys go. But they're, they're different. And so when we go into a tournament now, I remind these kids, you're the best team here. There's no question in my mind. I'm like, I want you guys to know that. I want you guys to understand that. But I also want you guys to stay humble in this because every one of these fucking teams that are here with us can beat us. Now, if they do, it doesn't mean they're better than us. But you have to know just because you're the best team here does not mean that one of these teams is not going to beat you. So once we had that mentality and once we kind of got dialed in with, okay, and I loved being the seventh seed. I did. I, I thought it was great. It was going to be tough having to play Reed Johnson in the semifinal, but they got beat. I would have much preferred, say, seeing them in the finals. I got to believe, in my mind, they're a team that uh, were one and one against this year. They took us down to the finals in Vegas, and we got them in Huntington Beach. But it's one of those things where when you stay humble within the process and you focus on the details and you fight for the inches, that's what propels you as a team. And as much as I'm pretty sure I mentioned this yesterday too, but as much as we want to just look at the results and everything else, I had a guy come to me. They were playing I don't know if it was a, it wasn't the silver bracket. The silver bracket was in Huntington Beach. And I, I couldn't tell you the name of the team right now. But they, so they would have been in the bronze or the copper bracket. And I'm pretty sure they were playing for the championship. And so they came over to watch them every game. It's super cool, dude. He's like, Bernsey, big fan. Love what you guys are doing. He goes, hey, man. He goes, do you mind if I, I ask you something? He goes, you know, we got a pretty good 12 u team. He goes, we want to, we want to get to where you guys are at. I'm like, oh, bro, like, thanks, man. Like, you know, really appreciate it. And he goes, 
what's the secret? I'm like, yeah, secret? Like, I don't know. Like, it, I'm not sure if there's a secret. I said, I'll, I'll tell you this. Focus on the fucking details. All of these coaches out here are consumed with, I don't know, just say the big kid that hits the ball 350 feet. The guy that throws 75 off the mound. That is nice, and it's nice to have that on your team. But the teams that take leads the right way, the teams that are properly positioned in the infield, in the outfield, the teams that are fighting for inches and battling at bats, those are the teams that win. And I use the example that we practiced the other day at UCLA, and we spent two hours on base running and situational defense before we touched our bats. And that, in my humble opinion, is what wins baseball games. Okay, we got the Rudy Gobert situation that happened with Draymond Green last night. I've seen the clip. We're going to have Henry Markin on here to break down the clip. But an article just came out in the New York Post. It says Rudy Gobert claps back at Draymond Green. He doesn't want to play without Steph Curry, Gobert said. It said Rudy Gobert chose to fight back against Draymond Green with verbal, not physical barbs. The Timberwolves center essentially accused Green of being a fake tough guy saying the Warriors star purposely got himself ejected Tuesday night since he didn't have Steph Curry alongside him for the NBA in-season tournament game. Green put Gobert in a headlock for rear or a rear naked chokehold. I've never heard that. I mean, that must be some kind of ultimate fighting term. It's a fucking headlock or a chokehold, I guess. The rear naked one is the one that Gets me here. During a scuffle leading to his ejection. It's kind of funny because before the game, I was telling myself that Steph is not playing. So I know Draymond is going to try to get ejected. Because every time Steph doesn't play, he doesn't want to play. It's his guy. Steph. Gobert accused Green of not having the guts to play when the Warriors' two-time MVP is not in the lineup. Curry did not play in the Warriors' 104 to. 101 lost Tuesday due to right knee soreness. The fight occurred less than two minutes into the game. That was a wild thing. Usually it takes a minute for tensions to rise. But two minutes into the game, and this thing came to a head. During a scuffle between Clay Thompson and Jada McDaniels, Green grabbed Gobert in a from-behind headlock that would have made (laughs) Rowdy Roddy Piper proud. The headlock seemed a little aggressive for the situation since Gobert did not start the fracas, and it wasn't as if it was a full-scale brawl had broken out. While Green's motives remain unclear, he has not hidden his feelings about Gobert in the past. During the 2022 All-Star Game broadcast with Green working for TNT, he got riled up over a comment comparing himself to Gobert. Quote, you keep mentioning me in the same sentence with him. We're not alike, Green said on the broadcast. We ain't nothing alike. Green will surely be suspended 
Well, Gobert and the Timberwolves are enjoying a seventh straight win, their longest streak since 04. Quote, clown behavior, and I'm proud of myself for being the bigger man again and again, Gobert said, <laughs> according to Moore. And yeah, doesn't even deserve me putting my hands on him. My team needed me tonight. I did whatever I could to keep my cool and then show him I wasn't making the situation worse. And I do hope that the league is going to do what it needs to do because that's just clown behavior. Not much to say. It's clown behavior. Well, look, I'm going to have to, we'll take a look at it when Henry Market comes on. I, I'm going to wait to break this down with him and we'll go over it and we can go over the details and everything else, but I'd have to see it. I'm going to assume Gobert's right. I don't know if it's clown behavior because I think Draymond Green knew exactly what the fuck he was doing. You don't do that unless you know, like Gobert said, you're going to get thrown out of the game, number one. Or number two, like you felt like your safety or your teammate's safety was in great jeopardy. If you're going to try to break up a fight, you usually go to your guy and you get in between them that way. So just say um, pretty weird situation in San Francisco last night. And as much as I'd like to give Draymond a little bit of pass, Obviously, the Jordan Poole thing from last year, I mean, he knocked out his own teammate. He has a history of aggression. So on that note, I will also tell you that Gobert's claim of Draymond Green being a fake tough guy is pretty much full of shit because the fake tough guy thing typically comes from guys that talk all the shit that don't want to fight. Draymond Green doesn't give a fuck. This guy will go to blows seemingly with anybody at any point. So you could call him a lot of things, including a clown. That's okay if that's how you feel. But the one thing he is not is a fake tough guy. He's just not. The guy... We'll go anytime, anywhere. All right, some sad news. Padres owner Peter Seidler was a champion of baseball. Uh, Padres, uh, you know, really what he did there with that organization and the attendance at Petco, they're the only show in town. It's really fun to watch the development of that team over the past few years. He passes away. I, I didn't know exactly what was going on. I guess he had had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I had an opportunity to do an event with him uh, a few years back. It was at Alphacore Capital. They had myself there at the uh, Petco. And I talked to a group of people. We're just telling stories and whatever. And Peter Seiler was the other guy that they had. And just a fascinating dude. And he was really big on the homeless situation in San Diego and trying to do everything in his power to rectify the situation. He actually would like walk the beach at night and go talk to a lot of the homeless people and figure out 
you know, what it was that got him there and figure out, you know, if there's something he could do or what would be the best way for the community to try to attack the situation. Just a, a fantastic guy, Walter O'Malley's grandson, I believe. So that was, um, you know, obviously a, a man with a huge legacy into the game of baseball. It says here in the fall of 2022, San Diego Padres owner Peter Seiler headed the team traveling party that went to visit Trey Turner as Turner weighed offers for free agency. Turner had been drafted by San Diego in 2014 and eight years later, the time he spent with Seidler affirmed what Turner felt back then. What a great guy, Turner thought. Warm and engaging. Seidler wasn't just there to visit. He was serious about signing the shortstop. He okayed an offer in the range of $350 million, well beyond the competing proposal of the Philadelphia Phillies. A few days later, the Padres made it clear that if Turner needed a higher offer, well, Seidler would make that happen too. I was really impressed with him, Turner recalled, Tuesday afternoon after he learned of Seidler's death at 63. So, you know, whenever you say like a number like that, that's that's young. It is. And... Yeah, like it's not 23. I, I get it. But, you know, you'd like to think that, you know, anything under the age of 80 is, uh, you know, Bobby Knight passed away. It wasn't like, oh, he's so young. It's 83. But at the same time, uh, it's 63. Yeah, uh, that's that's leaving some life, you know, on the table, unfortunately. And, you know, what a great guy. So it's definitely a, a sad sort of situation here. It says, I was really impressed with him. Uh, he wasn't going to leave any stone unturned. Turner had already been leaning toward making a deal with the Phillies, but Siler's humanity and his enthusiasm for bringing a championship to the Padres weighed on him. The notion of turning down Siler felt heartbreaking to Turner, who eventually conveyed the message, please don't make another offer. This was a typical of the effect that Siler had on people thanks to the genial and understated nature his sincerity his love for the game in which he grew up the grandson of the late los angeles dodgers owner walter o'malley he was a baseball fan who became a champion for baseball fans in san diego effectively spending his own money in an effort to win the franchise's first title he was the kind of owner that all baseball fans dream of a notion that cuts particularly this week as the MLB owners prepare to vote on another California team's relocation. The Oakland Athletics owner, John Fisher, is prepared to rip his team out of the East Bay away from their fans. Sider was devoted to the idea of winning a championship for Padres fans and with them. I get that, but don't make this a little bit of a shy to snide to Oakland right now. I mean, it's not the time. It's, it's not the place. Oakland's exhausted just about all the resources possible to stay in the city of Oakland and let's not forget the Padres in the city of San Diego they built that gorgeous new stadium I mean that's why they're there if Oakland had that Oakland won't be going anywhere so uh, a lot of the Padres you know they felt the connection to this guy and just really quick revisiting this Trey Turner situation huh holy shit man you give me $350 million. And then I got Peter Seiler calling me saying, yo, dude, 
If you need more, I'll find you more. My response is not going to be, nah, I'm good. I'm going to Philly. What the fuck, man? No chance. San Diego, spring training in Peoria, Arizona. And then just comparing that to the spring training in what? Clearwater, Florida? San Diego versus Philadelphia? I mean, unless you're a historian and you're looking to go visit the Liberty Bell, I don't see what Philadelphia has that's better in one aspect than the city of San Diego. Somebody tell me what the fuck Trey was thinking. Maybe he had Bryce Harper on the recruiting trail. That helped. But in my humble opinion, no way, man. Wow. That's uh, commendable for Trey because obviously he was sticking to his guns right there. All right. We're going to get into a couple more articles. But as we do this, the main topic this morning that everybody is talking about is Draymond Green. Is this guy a thug who's just out to cause havoc? Or is he somebody who strategically planned his exit or decided to make some sort of statement? Henry Mark in our No Filter Network NBA expert, uh, even though he's not credentialed to be in any other way than just he loves the NBA. <laughs> what the Fair. fuck happened? What the fuck happened last night, man? Are you asking me as a Warriors fan or as an unbiased ambassador of the league? Give me your Warriors fan perspective. Oh my God. Bullshit. What happened was complete and utter bullshit. Um, first of all, Clay Thompson got screwed. Jaden McDaniels and Clay Thompson, they scrap it out over a loose rebound. Clay's jersey gets ripped up, pretty much ripped off his chest like he's Fabio in a fucking rom com movie. Okay, you're going to tee them both up. That's fine. Don't eject them. That was stupid. Moments later, Rudy Gobert puts his arm around Clay Thompson's neck, trying to be the peacemaker. That's what triggered Draymond Green to go after Rudy Gobert. So the whole universe saw this as Draymond Green going after Rudy Gobert as a cheap shot. You know, you could call it built up tension over the past couple of years. And that could be partially true. I mean, you give anyone a reason to go after Rudy Gobert, one of the most hated guys in the NBA. I mean, the dude pretty much, I mean, I don't want, I'm not saying this is a doctor. It's more of a comic stance, but he brought COVID to the NBA, touched all the microphones, turned my two week spring break into a global pandemic. I don't give a shit that Draymond put him in a headlock. Good for him. He ruined my 2020. Um, but no, it truth, truthfully, Draymond did act probably a little out of line, but it was, it was justified. Rudy put his arm around clay trying to be the peacemaker. Rudy's like six inches taller than clay. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a threat. So I think the league just saw this as a reputation ejection move for Draymond and he'll probably get suspended and Rudy Gobert will go back playing victim in Minnesota. That's what will happen. 
no justice will be served. So I didn't see Rudy Gobert put his hands on Clay Thompson's neck. Yeah, nobody did. Nobody saw it live. And, you know, these pictures are coming out. And that's why Clay, you know, traditionally a very, I would say, chill and, and low key guy, when he heard he got ejected, he said, What the fuck? And he threw his towel down and he stormed to the locker room as anyone in his stance would have done the same thing. Um, he absolutely got screwed. Gobert put his arm around Clay, trying to separate them. Maybe that's the argument, but you, I mean, there's a better way to push someone off than to put him in a fucking RKO. Jesus Christ. I mean, that was bullshit. So, so what was bullshit? The fact that Gobert, <laughs> at the end of all that, Gobert went and shot free throws. That was bullshit. Like he shot free throws and we lost Draymond and Clay in one fell swoop. And honestly, Jane McDaniels got ejected too. That was, that's, that's horseshit. Nobody should have gotten ejected besides Draymond. If you're going to go that far, I think Gobert should have got tossed too. If you're going to toss Draymond, because they both did the same thing. Just, it's just Draymond did it and everyone saw Draymond. That's the problem. It looked like they were in a MMA fight. Oh yeah. It looked like he literally was all of a sudden going to go limp like and, and fall down to the ground. Well, by the way, if, if you're in an MMA fight, you know, all you have to do is tap. Everybody respects the tap. So mm. <laughs> like if, if Draymond feels this and he doesn't let go, then Draymond's a dick. And then the whole universe is like, dude, fuck you. But Rudy, I guess, thought that he's going to learn 10 years of MMA resurrection moves in one second and just, just fell like a tree. I hate Gobert. I, as, a, as a Warriors fan, I hate Gobert. I've always disliked him. But He kind of seems whatever. like a little bitch. Is that correct? Oh, I think little is an understatement. Um, I don't know. You just always hear this guy playing victim. And the victim card gets real frustrating, especially when you know you're out here dishing as much bullshit as everyone else. You're supposed to be this big, formidable force, you know, a seven foot wall, defensive player of the year. Uh, you're making more money than I can count, and he's always seems to be crying about something. <laughs> I don't know. I can't stand the guy. Is he good? Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's, I mean, he's he's well over seven feet. You can't really guard him when he's in his bag. And, and when you're trying to shoot over him, it's you, you have to totally change your shot in the paint. I mean, multiple times, Andrew Wiggins, someone who I've never called short in my life, was getting bodied like a rag doll just because he couldn't do anything against Gobert. So overall here, what do you think is going to happen to Draymond? He'll probably get suspended for – at least a couple games. I, I that's what I think. I, the, I I have no confidence in the league as far as backing Draymond. They've never showed any sort of remorse or mercy with him. Whenever Draymond does anything, they always take the extreme. This is me not being a Warriors fan anymore. This is me being an unbiased ambassador of the league. The, the league does not like Draymond Green. Um, any opportunity they get, they will tee him up. They will eject him and they will punish him. That's, that's just sort of their stance on that type of player. 
Uh, and I, I think it's safe to assume he'll probably miss between three to four games. The, the one thing that's, that's really interesting about all this, and you look at Steve Kerr, who I, I look at as sort of the, the standard of how to approach not just coaches, but uh, like businesses, the guy's a leader through and through. Mm-hmm. And usually he's on top of it when, regarding how to deal with Draymond. Usually he's very against what Draymond does and a very against, you know, uh, swing first, ask questions later. He's always been, we got to fix Draymond. We got to correct this. It's unacceptable, blah, blah, blah. He had nothing to say about that. In fact, the first thing he said in his press conference was, did you see Gobert grab clay? That was, that, that's, that's the truth. Like it got scrappy. Draymond got scrappy and Draymond got tossed and then Gobert shot free throws. Everyone, everyone saw it. Explain to me what is going on in the NBA, this in season tournament. What the fuck is this? This is the NBA's way of trying to get players to give a shit about games in October and November. Uh, something that the NBA historically has always struggled with. It's very easy to fall in love with the NBA in May and June. I mean, playoff basketball is incredible. Um, from a betting standpoint, from a pure watching standpoint, you get guys trying hard, you get guys playing, but this is usually the time of the year when football just dominates the television screens. Um, and as a way to get people to care about the NBA and to get people to, I guess, fall in love with the idea of watching basketball on a nightly basis when ESPN pays this much money to have their games televised, you got to give players something to fight for too. Cause a lot of these guys are always resting They're They're taking the time off so they can be back for the playoffs. So the in-season tournament is a way to get people to give a shit, both the fans and the players. It's $100,000 if you win this in-season tournament. You play in Vegas, uh, the actual tournament itself in December. All these these games right now, whenever you see the court look like, you know, complete hell, yeah. uh, like when, when, you know, when it's incredibly blue or incredibly red and there's all these crazy logos going on, that's an in-season tournament game. And so that's like so wait, some, hold on a second. So they're yeah. not all in-season tournament games. Correct. They're sort of sporadically spread out through uh, the other normal games, just so that, and they count towards your record too. By the way, like these aren't like fake exhibition games. They're consider it a, a very Vegas terminology. It's a house money tournament. It's it's just a way to capitalize on regular season games with the first two months of the year usually being somewhat of a television wash. Um, and, and honestly, I, I think it's a great idea because you get guys uh, like two times a week where it's like, all right, we're going to, we're, we're going to show out on a Tuesday, like Minnesota Timberwolves versus the Warriors. Unfortunately, Curry couldn't play, but I mean, you saw three guys get ejected in the first 90 seconds. That's not happening in a regular game. There's a little bit of stake. There's a little bit of tension and, and then you see guys come off the bench for the Warriors that haven't done fucking shit all season. They rise up because it's a big game. I think it's great. I'm all for it. Um, I just love basketball regularly. So anything to get the game elevated, I'm, I'm pro. This is also guys, the perfect kind of thing that the Sacramento Kings can win too, by the way. this like They won't win the finals this year, but but they could easily win the in-season tournament and help 
continue to build that team. It's a perfect thing for like the Thunder, for like the Spurs. Wemby could go on some five game stretch with 40 a night in Vegas. It's a great way to get younger teams that probably don't have a chance in May to give them a time to shine in December. Okay. That game last night because the Warriors lost and it was a tournament game. Does that mean they're out? No, it just means that they're probably lower seated in the grand scheme of everyone else in their group. Call it like, are you familiar with how FIFA and how soccer tournaments have their point system? You know, you have a win, a loss, and a tie, and you move up in the group play. It's sort of like that. Okay. <laughs> uh, talk to me about the Niners, dude. That's another big passion of yours. They go into Jacksonville, and they beat the shit out of the Jaguars. It wasn't even close. They came out of the bye week apparently pissed. I was reading an article here today that Kyle Shanahan was speaking out about how upset they were coming out of that bye week. And, I mean, they were a team much like the Buffalo Bills who start off hot and then just basically have, you know, been going through a really rough stretch. What did you see on Sunday? I think I saw the same thing that you saw and that you pointed out the last time I came on this show. Brock Purdy, when he's not concussed, again, when his brain is not damaged on a cellular level, is very much the AI Terminator quarterback that we were calling him four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he he lost in Minnesota, you know, oh, excuse me, we'll go back to the Cleveland game. The Cleveland game they lost because it was a very good defense and the kicker missed a 40-yarder, penalties got in the way, that's whatever. He lost the Minnesota game, I think, because they tried to do the tush push and he got concussed in the third quarter. And they tried again the same play right after. I'm sure that didn't help a concussion. He was definitely concussed playing against the Bengals. There's no way you can play in a game six days after two gnarly hits like that. He's not a very big guy. No. So my, 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 my answer is the 49ers are back to what we were, say, week five after we just rinsed the Cowboys. This is a very good team when healthy. And when our quarterback is not concussed, he plays at an MVP level. 100%. Are my Buffalo Bills in trouble? They are. They are in deep shit. You just fired my uh, my Miramani Matador, Ken Dorsey. Dude, weren't we going to try to get him on the program? We probably could get him on now. Oh, I'm sure he's got nothing but time. Uh, I don't even know if that was the right move. Are You're firing Ken Dorsey because Josh Allen can't put the ball in his receiver's hands. That's not Ken Dorsey's fault. Oh, and, and the running back can't hold on to the fucking ball. Yeah, like give somebody some pine tar and maybe give Josh Allen an Adderall or something. Don't fire Ken Dorsey. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. That's the most brilliant thing that maybe has ever been said on No Filter Network. Give Josh Allen an Adderall and give Cook some fucking pine tar and the receivers too. That's it. That's it. I don't think you needed to fire Ken Dorsey. No. I'm just not... That's to appease the fans. And that's more of a dramatic move from a fan base that was irritated. But I don't know. I mean, look, Sean McDermott doesn't seem to be a guy that is going to make really super emotional decisions like that. So I got to believe he was thinking about this for some time coming. But he's not throwing the football. And... 
He's not catching the football and he's not, he wasn't responsible for the what four or five turnovers that the bills had like an offensive coordinator can't do anything about that. So I'm not quite sure if that's the answer. They have failed to look like they've gotten anything rolling or in sync. So that's a little bit of an issue. Obviously Uh, they have a 33% chance to make the playoffs. You think they make it? Well, you know, the thing about the AFC, which is way different than the NFC, is that there's just so many different competitors in there. And, you know, I'm still thinking about the lingering possibility of Aaron Rodgers coming back, taking somebody's playoff spot in the AFC. Um, I put a post out on No Filter yesterday. It was an image of different quarterbacks that play in the AFC that one of those guys is not going to be playing in the postseason. The picture's got Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Kenny Pickett, and CJ Stroud. Right now, if the playoffs started this week, like last season or last week is the end of the regular season, the Bengals and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and the Bills are out. They're out of the box right now. The last seed of the wild card is CJ Stroud and the Texans, who just beat Joe Burrow in Cincy in the jungle. There's so many forces in the AFC. I I, I think if you're the Bills, your only shot is you not necessarily have to win your division, but you have to, I mean, you got to keep it close with the Dolphins because the the Bengals are going to try to keep it close with the Ravens. The Steelers are going to try and keep it close with the Ravens and the Bengals. Now you have CJ Stroud and the Texans, who we all thought were going to be a wash this year, are competing with the Jaguars, who are also very good. Plus you got the possibility of Aaron Rodgers coming back. And then you have the Chargers who made like hold reserves. On, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you think Aaron Rodgers is going to come back and lead the Jets to the playoffs? Oh, Aaron Rodgers on this team is this is a Super Bowl team. Oh, this is God. one. Of, this is one of the best defenses. I'm serious. This is one of the best defenses we will, we have seen in a while. I don't. I don't. I don't want to sit here and say this is the best defense ever because uh, you would just turn my stream off. But. But if you look at the points they allow each week and how they are, I mean, they're literally sprung to life by their defense. The reason they're not defeated completely is because they're giving up. I mean, it's anywhere between like, like, look at this, like 16 points. They had a blunder against Dallas 30, but then 15, then 20, then 20, then 14, then 10 got killed by the chargers, but then 16. Like Aaron Rodgers can put up 20 points a week easily. He can do they're, that. Henry, they're four and five. Yes, I understand. They're two games out of first place behind the Dolphins. The Bills are only a game and a half out. And everybody's written them off, and I get it. And the statistics say they do have a 333 chance of making the playoffs. And I look at that as like a 333 hitter. I'm like, yeah, that's not that bad. I mean, a 333 hitter comes up. I think there's a good chance. For He's sure. going to get a knock, but <laughs> I, I think you're crazy on the Jets and Aaron Rodgers thing. Number one, I don't think he's fucking coming back. I, it's really like to, uh, to come back and he's seen what the Jets offensive line has done. It just, it's not pretty, man. I think he knows how good this defense is though. And there's a part of him that thinks, I mean, the, they've won four games because of their defense. There are multiple teams in the NFL that would kill for four games right now. Um, especially in the AFC. 
like the Chargers and the Jets have the same record. And the Jets, unlike the Bills, who uh, the reason why people are writing off the Bills is because, you know, they, they their solution to this madness, this slide was firing their offensive coordinator who's responsible for 25 points a game. Um, the reason why people are writing them off is because that was a dipshit thing to do. And it's not like there's any new change coming to the Bills they're probably going to keep doing what they're doing. It's not like Josh is going to figure out how to stop turning it over. He's been leading the league in turnovers since 2018. You can't stop on a dime like that. The reason why people are high on the jets is because if they could just get to a point where they're, they're just barely floating. They got four weeks left. Can walk, can Rogers win four games? Nobody has any tape on them. There's no, uh, there's no, there's, there's no possibility as to, as to what bound he has. Um, There's, there's no, there's not, there's, there's, it's, it's completely uncertain, and that's cool. Uh, we are certain that the Bills are probably going to do what the Bills have been doing this year in the past three years, you know, playing high octane, very entertaining games, and losing. Yeah, I'm reading about the Bills here, and they're saying that, you know, they basically have entered dangerous territory. Mm-hmm. You, you do fire the offensive coordinator. Uh, do you think this is something that Josh Allen called for? There's no way. I assume that you're pretty tight with your OC as the quarterback. I mean, yeah. you're kind of like, I mean, you're effectively the same person. Just someone's in a booth. The other person's throwing it. Um, Two NorCal kids too. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought that was the stupidest thing the Bills could have done. If anything, like if, if heads are rolling, toss a special teams coach or toss like, Honestly, toss a defensive coordinator. I mean, it's not like anyone's accusing Josh Allen of not scoring. He's scoring, no doubt. It's it's just they're falling apart in other ways. I mean, they almost lost to the Giants because their defense was uh, just fell asleep on the final drive. They almost lost to the Bucks because their prevent situation for that Hail Mary was atrocious. Yeah. If if Chris Godwin didn't have the the deep threat awareness of a plant and, and dropped uh, what could have been a 60 yard basket catch hail Mary, then the bills would be well under 500 right now. Yeah. But they also should have won that game the other night. They had a missed field goal with the 12 guys on the, I mean, let's work backwards. The missed field goal with the 12 guys on the field, given, uh, you know, giving them another shot at it. Then you had, you know, the four turnovers, that were bad turnovers that led to points. I mean, it was just, they, they should have fucking ran away with that game. Right. So but, you could make, you know, arguments a, a, a few ways. Looking at the standings right now, you got the Dolphins at six and three, Bills at five and five, Jets, four and five, Patriots, two and eight. Then the Ravens at seven and three, the Steelers at six and three. The Steelers, I heard this stat yesterday, the only team in NFL history to be six and three after nine games yet have been outgained in every single game that they played. That's incredible. It's a, it's a wild number, isn't it? I mean, it just shows how good that defense is. Um, there are multiple games this year where their defense has won them the game. Like not only, you know, stopping the other team's offense, but responsible for putting points on the board that Monday night football game, Steelers Browns, 
I think the defense scored more points in their offense that night with a fumble recovery for a touchdown and a pick six. There, that is defense wins championships in in the form of a football team. That's proof that it's possible. The Browns are six and three. The Bengals are five and four. So then you go to the AFC South. You get the Jaguars six and three. The Texans, who arguably are the hottest team in all of football, CJ Stroud. He is fucking legit, man. Is he I'm that good? I am all over him. I think he's incredible. He got a lot of shit during the combine for this cognition test. And he said, well, cool. I'm a football player, not a test taker. But yeah. like all the scouts were like, oh, his mental is rough. He's not very intelligent. His dad's in jail, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, dude, what the hell? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fade me. Don't pick me. I don't want to play for you. Um. I'm I'm all over Stroud. I think Stroud is incredibly accurate, and he's got the he's got the balls of like a ten year vet. I mean, to go into Cincy and the ball out like that a week after you had your career high, like I, everyone thought for sure. Okay, he went for 450 plus yards as a rookie. Surely going to Cincinnati against Burrow, he'll cower and shit all over himself. They just beat Burrow in the jungle. Like that's this is the time when Burrow usually turns it on, goes for like seven in a row, and Stroud just shut the door in his face. So sick. So his dad's incarcerated, huh? Yeah. What happened? Not super sure, but I know his dad hasn't seen him play like any of these games, like when he was at Ohio State. I don't think he's seen him play since he was a sophomore in high school. Um, but that that's definitely jet fuel for a guy like Stroud who's – probably trying to get that bag and ultimately try to get him out. Coolridge Stroud is his name. Coolridge Bernard Stroud. So that's how he got CJ. So he's basically a junior. What a great name. Coolridge. I, I would just go by Coolridge. Yeah. Coolridge is dope. 22 years old. Now his dad, let's see if we can find any information about this why is cj stroud's dad in jail with a 470 yard five touchdown effort against the tampa bay bucks in week nine houston texan quarterback cj stroud furthered his case for offensive rookie of the year but following the victory on sunday the former star player for osu was more focused on addressing another matter stroud discussed the personal battle with his father's imprisonment as well as the circumstances in the other American jails at his post-game press conference. Parents are always proud when they have their children succeed. However, since Stroud's time in college, his father has never had the opportunity to see him play firsthand. That is because his father is serving a 38-year prison sentence and won't be able to get out until 2040. The Texans quarterback said that due to his father's absence, his he has persevered and acted as a family man since a very young age. Coolridge Bernard Stroud III, Stroud's father, was sentenced to 38 years in prison following his plea of guilty counts of carjacking, kidnapping, and robbery in a drug-associated associated event in 2015. The incident resulted in Stroud's father driving into San Diego Bay to elude a law enforcement officer. Coolridge was subsequently convicted for the second time and his family was thrown into a financial catastrophe. Ever since his father's incarceration, Stroud's 
meteorotic ascent, the quarterback has primarily been responsible for providing for his mother. Wow, man. Dude, yeah. that's pretty gnarly. I mean, what commitment to get away from the officer? I think that's a man thinking about his family. If you're willing to drive the fucking car into the San Diego Bay, you don't want to get locked up. I like that about him. Now, the carjacking, the kidnapping, all the other <laughs> shit that was going on, yeah, it's pretty dicey. But he didn't yeah. kill anybody, as far as I know. And he showed commitment by driving the car into the bay because he didn't want to get locked up. He had a kid at home, and he knew CJ was going to be a stud. Let's get, uh, I don't know, let's look into a potential pardon. Right? Yeah, if he wins MVP, he'll have uh, a few more eyeballs and maybe eyeballs on his case. Although it doesn't sound like, uh, I mean, maybe you can wipe a few of those charges away, but if you do the trifecta, you know, carjacking, theft, kidnapping, uh, one might be tough to look past. The kidnap, kidnap's a strong word to a judge. Well, what, what were the circumstances? I mean, was it a carjacking and you didn't realize there was a kid in the back seat? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. That'll do. That's too bad. Now, did you drive into the bay with the kid in the back? I mean, we're just speculating here. <laughs> we know none of the details. We know nothing. We know nothing. Yeah, we're not going to create an Instagram reels off of this. Thing. No, no. God damn it. Let's see here. It says, my father was incarcerated at a young age, so it was tough for me to grow up. I never wanted to see my mom and sister cry. Among my brothers, I'm the youngest of four. So they all kind of looked up to me. At that time, I was really young. I made some mistakes, but I always knew I was going to buy my mom a house. I'm going to get her out of her situation. Super cool, man. Uh, CJ Stroud's father and other prisoners alleged to have been subjected to inhumane conditions. CJ grabbed this stage with a hopeful message regarding jail improvements. I like that. The quarterback mm-hmm. said that after speaking with his father over the phone recently, he was unable to hold back his sentiments about the situation inside America's prison. So, quote, our criminal justice system ain't right, man. And I didn't want to make this public, Stroud said. I think I should speak up a little more about it because what he's going through. Stroud asserted that he thought the conditions in the jails were terrible after seeing recordings of the rat and bug infested cells uh, following Sunday's 39-37 victory over the Bucks, Stroud broke the NFL rookie record for most passing yards in a game. Where did he grow up? Did he grow up in the San Diego area? No idea. I know he just went to Ohio State, and that's usually a place where quarterbacks shine in college. It's part of uh, Ryan Day's, I guess, passing tree in his offensive scheme, and then all these guys go to the NFL and poop their pants. Not Stroud. Stroud is a product of innovation that excites. He is the truth, I think, and he's my fantasy football quarterback. So there's some Sunday stats I get excited about, but I think he's going to be really good in that division for years to come. Very excited about CJ Stroud. Stroud was born October 3rd, 2001 in Rancho Cucamonga. He's the youngest of four children. He uh, went to Rancho Cucamonga High School. Where's Rancho Cucamonga? Is that in SoCal? Good, I played there. It's Southern California. Huh. 
Yeah. It's, I mean, it's inland. As a senior, he was the Inland Valley Daily Bulletin Offensive Player of the Year with 3,878 yards and 47 touchdowns in 2019. He was the MVP of the Elite 11. Stroud was selected to play in the 2020 All-American Bowl, initially considered a three-star recruit. Stroud finished high school as a third-highest-rated quarterback of his class. He committed to Ohio State. Stroud has been friends with Carolina Panthers quarterback Bryce Young since the two went to rival high schools in Southern California. The two continued their friendship in college and ultimately were selected with the first two picks in the 2023 draft. That's so cool. I love love hearing stories like that. All right. Uh, Dude, we're over time, man. We got to go. All right. I'll let you wrap. Join me. Yeah. Whenever there's something, we'll have you on more, dude. Whenever there's something that you could add some value to here on the Deuces Wild Daily Hustle, Hank, we got to get you on, man. I'm all here for it. Uh, For all those who watch live, specifically RJ, JD, John Emmanuel, Ramos, Henderson from Makati City. We are international once again, motherfuckers. Uh, And those listening on the Apple, Spotify, podcast platforms, potentially Caffeine TV, Fubo, wherever else you may consume this glorious content. If you would like to join us for the live interactive show, we're usually firing up anytime between 8 a.m. and 10 p.m. only on nofilter.net. That's it. Hank, have a great day, bro. See ya. Hey, great work on that video last night for Boggs. That's fucking fantastic. It's going off. I'm all for it. Peace. Uh, Yeah, 107 beers, by the way. And a lot of people calling bullshit. I can do that in an afternoon. I'd like to see you try. 